Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. My name is Andy Davis and this is episode 6 of season 9 and today we're looking at influencers. No, don't worry. I don't mean people who used to be on Love Island. I mean the people that have a massive influence on not only the products that go into new bathrooms, but also who consumers are buying those products from. And that's installers. Now, it's not news that installers have a big influence, but a new study has looked into the details of it and has found some really interesting nuances that underline just how important they are and how their influence stretches up the purchase chain. It was commissioned by the Bathroom Manufacturers Association, or BMA, with the collaboration and support of its members. And I'll be talking through the findings with Dave Ruston from Eureka Research and Jane Blakeborough, the BMA's research manager. First, a sneaky heads up for our loyal podcast listeners. Yes, entries open for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2024 on September the 1st. Yes, I know it's coming around fast, don't need to mention it. You have from then until the closing date of November the 16th to get your entries in. We have categories for retailers, showrooms, designers, installers and suppliers. And it's totally free to enter as always. So on September the 1st, go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards to find out everything you need to know. That's kbbreview.com forward slash awards. So let's talk installers with Dave Ruston from Eureka Research. Hello, Dave. Hello, Andrew. Hello, sir. You do actually have an exclamation mark in your company name, which I find fascinating. Do you require people to use it every time they say it? <laughs> it's not obligatory, but yes, we like to stand there at Eureka, so uh, hence hence the punctuation. And we have Jane Blakeborough from the BMA. Hello, Jane. Hi, Andy. You just have a very long name. Jane Blakeborough <laughs> from the Bathroom Manufacturers Association is a mouthful. That's a lot of letters. I know, I know. It's, it couldn't get much longer, really. <laughs> no, that's like Olivia Newton-John and the Electric Light Orchestra. Right, let's get stuck in to this report. Now, you've uh, both done this, you both sort of collaborate on it, and I think it's worth starting with you, though, Jane, because the origins of it come from an idea that you have from another report. So talk us through it. Okay, well, back in 2022, the BMA and myself as trend monitor at that point did some consumer research. And that was to build on a body of consumer research that went back to 2013. But what we found in the latest piece of research was how much the installer was influential throughout the consumer purchase process for a complete bathroom, right the way through from using them as advice, as research advice, all the way through to having them greatest influence over what their choice of products was for the for the bathroom. So we wanted to investigate this further and we wanted to hear the installer side of the story and what they felt their influence was and where their influence lies and why it was and how it was. And that's how this research came about. It's worth looking at some of these numbers because I think they're so counterintuitive to the way we think a lot of consumer research goes. We think it's all about online and we think it's all about social media, whatever it is. But if you look at that, those original numbers, 16% thought the advice of the fitter was the most useful research method. 40% stated the bathroom installer had the greatest influence over their choice of product. I mean, it's a very personal face-to-face influence, this, isn't it? Yes, and I think because the installer is the last person that the homeowner will see, they're the people that bring all the products in, fit it all, finish it all off for them and almost hand the bathroom over to them, then that's where the influence lies. And it's in the, like I say, the personal space of their own home. But it's not to say that there aren't other influences along the way. And what we found from this research and the most recent installer research was it had a lot to do with the actual purchase process and their budget where they were buying products from, 
the kind of bathroom they were installing. But it was just this overall figure that 40% thought that the bathroom installer had the most influence over their choice of products. But it also means it's quite a dangerous place for the installer to be because most of their work, you'll see later on, comes from word of mouth. So if they're the last person, they don't leave a good impression, then they're the ones that don't get invited back next time. It, it doesn't impact so much on the manufacturers, it does on the installer. Yeah, a lot of this is about the power of the installer's sharp intake of breath, isn't it? Yes, you know, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Ooh, you don't want one of them. We actually conducted a, a mini poll at the start of this year, going into 2023. We were interested to see where consumer sentiment was across all the rooms in the house and across all the trades that the householder may or may not wish to sort of bring in. Lots of doom and gloom at the start of the year. If we, if we also recall that mini poll, which is separate to the to the, the piece of work that we're going into detail today, actually put plumbers top of the top of the pile. So of all the different trades that a householder might be pulling in during 2023, 46% of householders said that they would be likely to be needing the services of an installer, stroke plumber, stroke fitter. So we already knew before Jane picked up the phone to us that installers are incredibly important in that in that whole mix of trades that, that are required. But that, that really brought it home to us, Andrew, that their the services were and and will continue to be really important. Yeah, it's how far back up the chain of the purchase process that they have influence over, isn't it? You know, a layman might just think that at the end of the process, the tools come out and they fit it and they just complete the chain. But actually, their influence goes right back to the first choices, doesn't it? Right, so look, Dave, one of the first bits we've got in this report is that it gives a profile of a typical bathroom installer, what they look like and who they are. So talk me through some of the main findings there. Who is a typical bathroom installer? Dangerous question. Um <laughs> <laughs> And we like to talk about averages, don't we? And the media like to talk about averages, be it average property price or average earnings. We all do it in everyday life, don't we? And I'm going to be completely guilty of doing exactly the same thing again here and, and talking averages, but hopefully give a bit of a flavour around what's at the edges. So our survey was a really, uh, it was a really large survey. Jane at the um, Bathroom Manufacturers Association and myself put a lot of work into getting a large number of responses, so we know it's representative. So we can say that the average installer or fitter is now 50 years old. That masks a huge range, though. So I've sort of termed it a bit of a middle-aged spread syndrome. So that 50 is really bunched up in the middle. There's there's a lot of heavy lifting going on in the middle age distributions there. In fact, 39% of all installers are now aged over 55 years of age. So a bit of a ticking time bomb and lots of different parts of the sector, particularly the, the heating side of the industry, are really starting to get worried about that, of course, and the, the lack of apprentices and the lack of young blood coming in. Other features, of course, continue to be, uh, and this is changing, of course, but the high male dominance in there. Two thirds of the sample as well are sole traders. A quarter are directors of some sort of limited company or partnership. So that just leaves us uh, the rest, about 10%, who are employees of those limited companies. And, and they're really busy as well. So uh, half or just over half of their work has this bathroom slant to it across their work portfolio. And we know from other work that their order books are still quite busy. So on average, with the bathroom specialists in this sample, we're looking at about a four-month order book at the moment. That's come down slightly from the start of the year, uh, where it was more typical that installers would be saying they were stacked up for about another five, six months uh, but there's still plenty of demand in the pipeline there. 
What jumps out at me of these numbers is, on average, let's, let's always stress the on average bit, they complete 13 full bathroom refurbishments a year. That really doesn't sound like very many. So averages can be really deceptive, Andrew. So 13 per year is an absolute um, midpoint in, in that whole distribution of the number of bathrooms that are being done. If we take what I've termed the high volume fitters, so those who are doing a lot more bathroom uh, work in their work portfolio, it actually goes up to 26 bathroom projects per year. 8% of the sample are in and around the 40 bathrooms per year mark. So yeah, averages really deceptive. On average, 13, but we've got uh, a lot of fitters in there who are doing a lot more than that. All right, Jane, let's come to you or the next bit, because it looks at the breakdown of where these installers find those jobs. And I was surprised, actually, although I knew I knew this is where lots came from, but I was surprised uh, how much of it comes direct from homeowners. And, and, of course, against the proportion of what comes via our audience here, the bathroom showrooms. Yes. Now, it, it's slightly deceptive, the stat that we've got in there, because we asked them about all the sources that they got work from, not where they mainly got work from. Oh, okay. So where it says 85% direct from home owners, it means that 85% of the installers that we interviewed did get work direct from home owners. Um, but it is still the highest proportion of work that comes through to them. And we know from the consumer research that they mainly found their um, installer via word of mouth so if they their friends had had a new bathroom fitted or if, uh, you know, relatives, that kind of thing, or if they'd used the installer before. So they are going direct to the installer themselves. So we know that from both sides of the research. But also we found that where installers have got some kind of reciprocal arrangement with a showroom. So the installer sends their customers to a showroom to buy the products then the showroom will recommend the installer as the the person to use. So there is reciprocal arrangements going on in the middle of that as well. Another thing we found was that although it was quite low for the homeowners to use the online trade directory, where we look at the lower installer age group, they were twice as likely to source work via an online trade directory than, than the older generation. So that is something that is likely to grow as, as as younger people come through through the installer process. But yeah, they, they are finding work from all different places, but it is very much from the homeowner. And what really comes across from this bit is that work is coming from all over the place. And if they're working well, they have a real diversity of sources. Yes, and, and they need to keep all of those sources because if they lose their reputation, these are all very much sort of word of mouth recommendations because if you see what is a direct contract from a local showroom and retail merchant, that's only 14%, which is quite low. So there are very few that are actually directly employed by the retailers or the merchants. So they are having to find their own work as they're going along. And it does kind of multiply the influence they have within a very confined local area as well, because word of mouth spreads things very quickly. And, if, you know, do you know a good fitter? Do you know a good plumber? And therefore, within their lo- local geography, their influence is massive. Yes. I mean, that's that's the same with the local, the you know, the independent retailers. We find yeah. that they are very uh, clued up on their immediate customer range, um, but not very much about national um, behaviours. But they know how their locality works. So it is it's the same with the installers. And this is where that online channel is important. We did some other work last year, actually, where we asked consumers, so where are you asking about plumbers and fitters and retailers? Where are you asking for those recommendations? 
and three quarters of householders are are doing that online now. And I think we can read that across as being social media, WhatsApp groups, uh, their own personal networks. So they are very active online people when it comes to asking about tradespeople. So having that online presence, having a really good looking sort of portfolio of work that looks up to date, you know, a real professional portfolio that's external looking digitally really absolutely is key for any tradesperson in this area now. But even then, I think that's still a very geographically localised thing. You might be looking online, but you're looking for someone in your area. You're looking for recommendations from people who have used them in your area. That's where the crossover comes, I think. Let's move on to design, because I was quite surprised by... I knew they influenced the choice of products, I suppose, but it's how much they feel they influence the actual layout, planning, design of the bathroom, something that is very much obviously in the realm of the showroom. But the installer has a much more influence over this than I probably would have thought. Uh, what this survey shows is that two-thirds of all jobs, uh, and we've just discussed, you know, some installers are doing more bathroom jobs than others, but when we take all of those instances into account, two-thirds of those jobs, uh, the installer is claiming that they fully designed that work from beginning to end and completion. But then when we unpick that a little bit more, only a quarter are actually saying that they design all the bathrooms in their portfolio and all the jobs, no matter what. So it's a real kind of mixed picture actually in terms of I'm either doing all the design supply and fit or just a little bit it's a real varied picture out there in terms of what is expected from the modern installer again it's about definition isn't it what exactly we're defining design as because that just means you stand in a room and go yeah we can replace that basin there and put a cupboard in there or they are actually physically planning the thing out maybe they've got some software that does it for them do you know what I mean it's a very broad definition that isn't it Absolutely. And, you know, design to them might be literally replacing like for like. So there's actually no considerable change to the layout. The sink's going to be in the same place. They don't want the bath being ripped out at this particular point. So it's all going to go back in the same place. So as you say, design in that sense might be just an update, a refresh, a different colour suite. But in other instances, it could be, uh, you know, a complete back to brick sort of situation. So I think that that does explain why the reality is quite varied and installers will be approaching each job really in a different mindset. You know, what what have I got here? When I open that door, what services am I going to be required to do? We've often called tradespeople in our work here chameleons. They're very entrepreneurial in that sense. They can be very adaptive and um, alter their approach, their style, their level of professionalism to the circumstances that confront them when they pull onto that driveway. But Jane, in that consumer research you did, there was a real issue with design, wasn't there? How many people were disappointed in the design of their bathrooms? Yeah, so that was one of the questions that we asked at the end and we found that um, it was a, a verbatim question so they could write whatever they wanted. And when we analysed the answers, it came there were issues that came down to poor design in 15% of new bathrooms, and that was a disappointing element. So I think it's only really at the end of the job that the, that the homeowner can see that actually it didn't quite work as well as, as it maybe should have done. And we also found from the consumer research that around about the £10,000 budget for a bathroom the homeowner started to employ a professional design, as in someone at the showroom or an interior designer. And that was the point where design started to become important to the project, whereas lower down in the budget, 
they were either designing it themselves because an awful lot of, of um, homeowners do the design themselves or it just goes back in the same place. So where the installer might be saying, oh, yes, I did the design, it might just be, as Dave said, it goes back in the same place or the consumer, the homeowner tells them exactly what they want and they do that and they say, well, that was us designing it. But there is this cutoff point around about £10,000 where design starts to become important to the homeowner. And the word that keeps coming up here again and again is is the level of influence, isn't it? Okay, you might be lots of different definitions of design here, but there is a clear message coming through here that there is a massive influence of the installer before they've even decided what they're putting in the bathroom. Let's move on to products, choosing products and what products they would advise consumers to buy because that's the, the next natural step. Again, I kind of knew that this was the case, but if you look at how many installers supply as well as fit, it's actually quite a surprise What's the findings from this, Jane? So we found that the average installer was asked to supply and fit about two-thirds of the bathroom that they are fitting. And when they are asked to fit, then they're mainly buying from the national merchants. Yeah, and that's that does feel quite a lot. And again, it's this definition of what is a full bathroom and what isn't. But I mean, that's a big proportion of people not going anywhere near a showroom. Yes. I mean, it might be that they've gone to the showroom and have decided what they want, but then the installer actually buys the product for them or advises them and say, yes, that's okay. That's the one you you should buy and I'll get it for you and I'll install it. Again, it comes back to averages. When we we look at across the, the whole scale of the consumer, the homeowner buying all the products themselves or the retailer specking and supplying all the products and the, and the installer and fitting them. But this was the average that they're saying they're, they're supplying and fitting about two thirds of the bathrooms that they, that they install. And if they're designing that as well, then they're basically running the whole show. And those independent showrooms, though, are still ahead of big online players, just about, as far as installers are concerned. Yes, and we found that the independent sector, if you look at the merchant, the independent merchants and the independent showrooms, they were actually the biggest players for the installers. So whilst overall the national merchants took the bulk, if you add up smaller independent merchants, the independent showrooms and the larger independent merchants, that's a bigger sector than the, the national merchants. So the independent sector is very, very important to the installers. Do you think, as most of these installers are you know, one-man bands, that they like dealing with one-man bands or at least what dealing with small companies that they feel that they have a you know, relationship with? Yeah, I mean, we, did, we did a breakdown on why they chose certain retail outlets and on top of that was the social aspect of it. That came top, that they had a good relationship with the counter staff, they got good terms, they could get good advice and the, the different retail outlets had different reasons for the installer to go to them. But the, the top one, particularly for the merchants and the independent merchants, was this social side of things. Something I've spotted in the, in the data as well in relation to um, the importance of the independent showroom or the independent retailer is, although that average is, is 15%, as Jane just pointed out, that does come up with the higher volume bathroom fitters of so those who are doing um, uh, more than average in terms of their, their work portfolio in the bathroom space. So we, we actually get up to 21% saying that that's where I buy all my bathroom stuff. And the independent sector as a whole, so if you group that with the, you know, the really small independent plumbing and heating merchant, for instance, that, that's essentially up to half then 
of all their buying um, amongst those higher volume buyers. You were right to point out, Andrew, um, you know, that this does still have the edge over online. So online is down at 13% in all these instances. So another reminder, you know, not, not to kind of just blindly listen to all the noise. So it's not necessarily the, the, the noisy stuff that is the accurate uh, portrayal of reality. It's the shiny new thing, yes, but sometimes it's your bread and butter that, that is absolutely um, carrying the weight. Yeah, what's coming across with all of this is how old school it quite is, it is. You know, it's about local businesses talking to all the local businesses through word of mouth and recommendation with customers. It's all quite, you know, there's nothing Instagram about this. I mean, I'm not saying it's not important, but it's still very much a personal relationship all the way through the chain. Speaking of which, let's look a little bit about uh, specific products, I suppose, because installers we've 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 learned already have a have a big influence over what consumers might pick. But let's have a look at what they're actually asking for advice on, because you do break down some sort of different product areas here that consumers obviously don't know anything about. So who wants to take this one, Jane? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so when we asked what consumers were asking the installers about, then basically they were asking, according to the installers, they were asked about absolutely everything. The top of the tree was uh, shower screens and shower trays. That's what they're being asked about most, closely followed by shower controls. And that really is probably the biggest category anyway for the market. And when we look at product categories that have a lower penetration in the UK market, things like shower toilets or wall hung furniture or wet room systems, and they are being installed and being asked about these less. So it's just really a reflection of what the homeowners are buying. And we found that where the installers that are fitting a lot of bathrooms, the regular bathroom installers, they are asked a lot more about products. And the ones that are fitting fewer bathrooms have a slightly more hands-off approach to advice. They are giving less advice, but the ones that are regularly fitting bathrooms day in, day out are very happy to give advice across all categories. That's interesting, the shower trays and enclosures bit, isn't it? I wonder if that's because maybe a lot of these jobs are taking a bath out and maybe it's their first shower tray, shower enclosure thing. I don't know, you can speculate endlessly about this, couldn't you? And I would guess that the higher up the value, the more questions you would get about things like wet rooms or whatever, because wet rooms aren't very common and they're expensive. Yes, we didn't really delve into budget and this particular piece of research because it was, you know, you wouldn't, I don't think you would get very accurate portrayal of, of because it, it would be such a broad spectrum of, of budgets that they work to. But we did look at budgets within the consumer because they're just doing one job. So they know how much that job costs them personally. But um, we were unable to break down the installer research by budget unfortunately yeah and and that makes it even more complicated to do it that way so totally get that let's look dave at what would make an installer recommend a product to a consumer because that's basically what it comes down to here isn't it is their influence they say get that one rather than that one so what are the factors that make an installer like a product more than another one well i think your analogy just of it being a traditional mindset out there also comes through again andrew so the top of the pile here is previous previous experience that knowledge, that confidence that the fitter has had in the past, perhaps the, the stuff that they were trained on, the brand that they've grown familiar with. When you boil all that down, that's absolutely the top influence on, on what they will suggest 
to a consumer who's given them that leverage, as we've discussed, to design the bathroom in some way. They're also after a fit and forget product, though, as well. So they absolutely hate having to be called back to um, fix snags or to remedy the project in some way. 17% of people saying that that's the main reason they would suggest one product over over another. And then thirdly, style starts to come into the equation. So those two quite functional things, you might say, at the top of the pile. And thirdly comes in the aesthetics of the product and that matchability to what the consumer has told them thereafter in terms of that, that look and feel. So if a product is out there and it's visible to the fitter or the plumber that hits all three of those criteria, then you stand more chance of getting the installer's attention. And it's interesting that they talk about value rather than price here too. They're not trying to shift the cheapest thing here, are they? They're recommending to the consumer something that works well. I couldn't, couldn't agree more, Andrew. So good value for money comes quite low down that, that hierarchy of needs. It's actually fifth on the list. Just 12% of fitters saying that that's the most important criteria. And, you know, they're, they're absolutely not penny-pinching. You know, they've, they've, they're coming out of that boom. Some of them are still in that boom. Uh, average order book of five months still. You know, they're, they're not looking to sort of say £5, £10, £15 here or there. It's more about keeping business nice and smooth, something that they know is not going to come back on them, and that dreaded callback isn't going to bite them in the bum, as it were. Okay, so we know that that's what they would recommend a product and a third of them, a big proportion of them, the main reason is because I've used it before, I'm very familiar with it. So what would make them look at a new product that they haven't tried fitting before? What makes them have a look at at what's out there in the market and what new things might be coming along? What do you think, Jane? Well, this is where um, manufacturing brands starts to pop up because brand familiarity is one of the key reasons. Um, But also peer recommendation So if one of your colleagues or a retailer or a merchant recommends a product and the the brand is familiar, then they will try that product. They will also try a product that is recommended as easy to install, which is, you know, fairly obvious why they do that. But it's it's quite interesting for for manufacturers that, that their brand now starts to appear because we know how low brand recognition is within the industry as a whole. But with installers, the brand is very important. And also the merchants where they've got um, reps or promotions in the merchants or posters or leaflets. So the merchants are quite key at this point for recommending products. And again, it's all very face to face, isn't it? A rep in a, in a showroom or a rep at a counter showing you how to use something. Obviously, they're very practical things that you need to be shown how to use. But it's very old school. Yes, I'd say that it is. And and. It's not, they're not kind of breaking out of the comfort zone here. It's, it's who their friends are recommending or their, their colleagues or their, their peers and, and the brand that they're familiar with. So they're really not doing anything out on a limb. And communities and Facebook communities are, they are a way of learning about new products, but things like social media that don't really have a great appeal to the installer sector. And again, this comes back to this traditional mindset within this, this sector. Yeah, they're not teaching me anything. I think it's interesting how much, like if I was a manufacturer, I would want to make sure that I had a website that had full instructions, full videos, you know, as much information as I could put on there as possible for any of these guys to refer to if they are trying to install something new. Because the moment they get to a bit they don't they don't know or are unfamiliar with and they can't find the information they want straight away, well, that's when the sharp intake of breath comes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think there's something in here as well, Andrew, about brand equity. So yes, it's about speed. Yes, it's about 
that traditional getting it in front of them so they can touch touch and feel it because they haven't necessarily got the time to be going online and, and looking at reviews. But if it's a brand that they know, if it's a manufacturer they respect and perhaps um, have sort of grown up with since they were an apprentice, that automatically puts that new product front and centre for them because they know it hasn't sort of let them let them down in the past. So we've got, we got 39% of people at this question saying that they would recommend and give them, that would give them confidence to suggest a new product to a customer who was asking if it had that brand equity to it. I'm so used to retailers talking about customers recommending them. You know, their recommendations from very happy customers is a big part of their business. But we're talking about recommendations from installers now. And that's a much bigger proportion of this than I would have guessed at. Retailers get customers via the installer, not the other way around. So why would an installer recommend a retailer to their customer? What we found with the research was that whilst the installer, when they're picking their own products, it was more about what was easiest for them. When they were recommending a retailer, they were putting the consumer and the homeowner first, and they were recommending retailers that would give a great service in terms of having a good range of products, having a good showroom, and having good stock levels. So when they sent a potential customer into a retailer, they wanted to make sure that that retailer delivered. So they're they're sort of prioritising customer, their customer convenience over the needs of the installer. So they're not sending them there because they get the best discount if they buy the products. They're sending them because that customer will get the best service from the retailer. And again, that doesn't come back on them if it goes horribly wrong. So that their own reputation is incredibly valuable to them as well. And, the, and there is this reciprocal arrangement that goes on, like I said before, that if they're sending customers into a retailer, then they um, will get the retailer to recommend them as an installer. And we see that within the different kinds of um, retail outlets, obviously online and the, some of the um, like Amazon and all that kind of thing, they're not going to get any kind of reciprocal arrangement from them by by getting recommendations from them for for customers but if they send into a local independent retailer that has a great great showroom and great range of products plus they are also being recommended as the installer to future customers it's a great relationship to have and it goes back to this this locality and relationships They're quite forceful characters, these tradespeople, aren't they? So one thing that jumped out of me for this question, I'm sure Jane would would agree, was that only 4% said that they actually sit on the fence and they don't prefer to recommend a particular retailer or or showroom. So they're, they're very opinionated in terms of saying, well, I wouldn't go there, but I would go over there and see see Bob or Jane. But it is absolutely all about range. So with those high volume fitters who are doing lots and lots of bathrooms, range actually goes up to 38% in terms of a reason why you would recommend one retailer over another. So giving their customer who they obviously want to impress and get over the line, that range of price points or perhaps different uh, design ideas when they walk in there is, is absolutely paramount. It's interesting, isn't it? I suppose if your opinion is being sought, which we know it is, you've also got to be very willing to give your opinion yeah. <laughs> or, or have an opinion. And yeah, most of these guys, you know, very broad brushstroke here again, but most of these guys are usually very willing to give their opinion and very happy to give their opinion on things. They have no loyalty in that sense. If they don't like something, they'll, they'll happily tell you. Take it or leave it, like me or don't like me, isn't it? And the, yeah. there's so much work out there. They can afford to show their cards in that, in that sense. 
Well, I'm going to finish with you, Jane, because the last bit here is the question that now features in everything. But the results of this sort of indicate why everyone's eyes roll when this subject always comes up, right? But it is so important that it has to be in all of these things. And that's the sustainability water efficiency argument. Yeah. And obviously, that's a huge focus of the BMA. So this doesn't make for great reading from that point of view in terms of the engagement from the customer. But it's actually a little bit healthier in terms of what the installers recommended than I probably would have thought. Well, we were quite disappointed with with the results of this. We we had hoped that we would have a bigger sector saying, yes, we regularly recommend water-efficient products. 28% is probably lower than, than it really should be, given where we are at the moment with the, the sort of big push behind sustainability. So if only 28% of installers are regularly recommending water-efficient products, that's quite poor. That's higher than I would have guessed. Is, is it? So, oh, yeah. Well, like, I mean, the one that we, we sort of focused on more was the occasionally and the rarely bit, which is, you know, it's over 50% that are just not really bothering so much. And then we've got 13% who are not interested, a combination of not interested and my customers are not interested. But it was also interesting to see see that as we look at the lower this sort of 34 and under age group they were tending to recommend water efficient products more regularly and they claim to be more interested themselves in water efficient products but they were also more likely to say that their customers weren't interested so they've not been asked for them and therefore they weren't recommending them and when we delved into this a little bit further in the next question to find out what would make people who weren't we took out the people that were regularly recommending water efficient products and asked the people that, that weren't what would make them recommend more products and it's it's all around raised awareness of the benefits of the cost and the water saving benefits they they feel that there's not enough information out there and also they would like to be able to recommend these products at, as having a better user experience or a better flush or or shower force i think they're slightly reluctant to recommend products that they feel won't give a good user experience. And that comes back to this fit and forget product that they are confident in. And they're not particularly confident about water-saving products, but they they would be encouraged when we look at what encouraged them to try new products. They would be encouraged to try a new product if it was water efficient. So I do think there is a, a drive in there to recommend more products. It's just that it's a lack of confidence yeah, and again, like Dave said, that that's when they'll get a call back saying my shower's a bit rubbish. Yeah. Or, you know, I have to flush the toilet five times. I don't or, care yeah. that it's water efficient. I just want a good shower. Because that comes back to previous research that we've done that we are actually rerunning again um, about behaviours in the bathroom and in that you will say to everybody you know, yes, I want to use less water. I understand why I need to use less water. However, when you shut the bathroom door, it's your own private space and you want to have a good shower and a deep bath, and a good flush on your toilet. And those are your personal preferences rather than what you say to the world. Let's sort of summarise this a little bit here by saying this confirms what we already knew, which was the installer has a massive influence. We knew that. I think it shows that their influence stretches much up further up the purchase chain than perhaps we, we might have suspected. And it shows that in areas like sustainability, water efficiency, that are incredibly important, and it is the way all product development is going they have a huge influence on getting it over the line with the consumer. Does that sound reasonable summation of the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, that's just about right, yes. Yeah. You see, how long did this report take it? I could have written it in two minutes. <laughs> you can have a job any day, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, we'll do the next one with you. <laughs> I haven't got the patience to talk to that many people. 
So, look, thank you so much for your time, both of you. Thank you much, very much for this report. It is really interesting. I really enjoyed it. And I suppose the question is, how much influence does the installer have? The answer is, a lot. Thank you both. We'll speak again soon. Okay, thank You're you. welcome. Thank you. That was our resident statos, Dave Rustin and Jane Blakeborough. Thank you very much to them. And there's loads of little nuggets in there, I think. It always helps to have our perceived wisdom either confirmed or challenged. And this report does both, I think. I'll put a link to the full overview in the episode description so you can see all of the numbers for yourself. Don't forget, you can go to kbbreview.com forward slash podcast to see all the previous episodes where you can listen in your browser or find links to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or YouTube. Or just go to one of those podcast places and search KBB Review. All one word. See you next time.